Hey guys, Eric from Working Dog Radio. I want to talk to you about one of my favorites, and that is Dogtra. I've been using Dogtra collars for a long time, way before they became a sponsor of the podcast. At the Police Canine Association, we've been using them, and that's all we use. Uh, we've been vendors for a while now, but we've been users of Dogtra collars way before we became vendors. At my kennel, I have a drawer full of them. I have the 1900S e collars, and I got a bunch of 600 bark collars. I like it nice and quiet. My kennel and those bark collars work perfectly. But Dogtra is not just sitting back doing nothing. They're out there uh, innovative designs, coming up with new stuff. And in May, they launched three new products. All right. They uh, sent them to Ted and I, and we get to test them. I cannot wait. This is the coolest part of my job here. Now, I want to talk to you about the one that I'm going to try, and that's the Pathfinder. It's a GPS tracking and training collar where no cellular is required. There's free detailed satellite and terrain views from Google Maps along with an offline maps mode. Easy location sharing for dogs and dog owners. History playback on your smartphone and computer and custom alerts for dog actions using pop-ups, sound, and vibration. I have two brand new dogs in my kennel. I just started introducing them tracking a couple days ago and I can't wait to get them out and get longer and try these things out. Bird dog guys, trial dog guys, these things are perfect for you guys. Um, check them out, man. They're not waiting on us. They got them out there because they are proven with their stuff. Give them a call, 888-811-9111. Dogtra. We all know the importance of having a good decoy for maintaining patrol and sport dogs. That's why I want to talk to you about Clint Morton, the North Texas Working Decoy, which is where you can find him on Facebook. Clint is an APPDA and NADF certified decoy, and he works in USPCA and trains in PSA as well. Clint's excellent at problem solving for patrol and sport dogs. Hit him up at camo, C-A-M-O, at E-C-T-I-S-P dot net, or hit him up on Facebook, North Texas Working Decoy. Yeah, I'm a crazy motherfucker walking up your street. Craziest fucker that you ever see. Welcome to Working Dog Radio, broadcasting the bite. All right, we are back, Working Dog Radio, broadcasting the bite. I'm Ted Summers, Working Dog Radio, Working Dog Grey Goods, and uh, Torchlight Canine. With me, as always, is Eric Stanbro. Eric, what's going on? Uh, I am sitting in a Motel 6 in Alexandria, Virginia. Oh, shit. Uh, yeah. Uh it's it's different. I'm down here to do some training. Uh, overbooked at, a, at another hotel, and they moved me over here. And uh, this Motel Six is different than back home. If we were back home, I would have at least two prostitutes <laughs> and thirty bed bugs chilling with me on the bed right now. I was gonna but, say uh, last time I came up there, like because I'm covered in tattoos and look like a general shitbag. That every time I stop for gas in Indiana or Ohio, everybody approached me, and I'm like, "No, I'm not a drug dealer. Leave me alone." So, <laughs> yeah, <it's, laughs> but here, here it's just uh, it's a, it's okay. It's not bad, you know. Renovated room, and we had one, a day of training today, and uh, we're gonna have another one tomorrow. And it was good. It was hot, but it was good. Um, 
I think the guys really liked it. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm coming in here to train at a place that has a trainer. And um, he, it wasn't his idea to bring me in, but uh, he was cool. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm just kind of refreshing him a little bit. And awesome. I bring, you know, I bring in outside guys all the time. You got to you get stale a little bit. You got to you got to you know learn some new stuff. And I think they like it. Uh, Alexandria uh, is pretty nice, though. This, this place pretty, traffic is fucking ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> it's the it's East Coast. Nice. So, uh, oh, you know, I yeah. saw you did the elevator scenario today. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's the one. And you, I don't know if you talked about it. I know you've talked about it with me before several times, but tell everybody what that is. <laughs> so what I like to do it's is fucking sketchy. I, <laughs> I love it. So if I get a building uh, with an elevator, um, it, it, this started out, we, we were training at a, another location where we, we had this house that had an elevator in it. It was a real small little, like two-person elevator. So it was real tight, but. I use it all any chance I get where what you do is the elevator, you bring the dog in, the dog sees the decoy in the elevator. He comes in, get him on a, on a bicep bite, you know, a frontal bicep bite. And then the decoy backs into the corner and the handler throws the leash in decoy hits the button. And, um, and then it's just the dog, the doors close and it's just the dog and the decoy. In a frontal bite in the corner, the decoy can work the uh, the leash back pressure if he wants. If we're working on a push, if the dog gets any kind of wonky on there, um, and basically wonky. the dog be yeah, wonky. <laughs> yep, so that's I like that word a lot. Right. So it's it's a way for um, the dog to have to fend for himself while in a in a smaller space while the the elevator's moving and everything that. Really, I like it because I make the handlers then run two or three floors, which they <laughs> they all hate. But make them run up the steps so when the when the elevator opens, the handler's there. He can grab that leash, give some back pressure. They bring them out, and then we work in, we working out from there. So you have a bunch of things going on. Not that you're ever going to bite anyone in, in an elevator, but there's just a lot of things going on there. Oh, it's yeah. really cool to work on it. So then once they run through that, we do the second scenario where the dog and the handler ride up on the elevator. When the door opens, the decoy is right there. Boom, the dog has to, to, to bite him. Then the decoy backs him into a janitor's closet or something that's dark, takes the dog in there, shut, they throw the leash in, shut the door. So now you have the dog, the decoy, all alone in a small room, dark, pitch black if possible. Eh, maybe 30 seconds, nothing crazy, but 30 seconds. And uh, that room there can, can uh, mess dogs up, but, and it keeps the handler from rushing in. You know, we like to, our handlers like to rush in and, and coddle their dogs while they're on bites. So yeah, that's, I fucking here, hate that. Right. So here you get a, you get a time where the dog gets to do his own thing and the guys really like it. And it's a lot of fun. Uh, it can get real sketchy in that dark room. We've had a lot of, dogs come off and re and the and the decoy can't see them and they regrip like in their nutsack or in their ass or something like that and eh, it's fun but, but did you die so yeah right yeah. exactly my balls, but... <laughs> yeah, For, we... real quick the first time we ever did that so ryan was one of the decoys and we we sent the dog up and he bites him and he goes in the room and then the elevator is coming back down and i'm like what the fuck is he doing and um, I open up, and Ryan's doubled over, 
bent over in pain because the dog had like crushed his ball sack through the suit. <laughs> He's yeah. like, I'm done. First dog. First dog. He's like, I'm done. Was it Vlad? But, uh, no, actually, it was a Milo. And he just came <laughs> off, and he's got a—he's a shepherd, a big shepherd with a huge mouth, and he just hashtag should have work up. Right. <laughs> He'll be happy that I said the dog had a huge mouth to bite him in the. <laughs> there you go. He needed one, right? There you go. Yeah. yeah. So the, the guys—the guys liked it. Uh, I think—I think we liked it. Tomorrow we're going to do some, uh, and we're working on you know redirects on outs because uh, they got certification coming up. So we're working on redirects. No conflict, outing from one suit to another, back and forth, and then out from the suit to the toy. Oh, you know, kind of, kind of keeping the, the, uh, the, the conflict out of it, and, and showing some things. And tomorrow we're going to do bungee cars, bungee and cars, redirect the whole thing all together. It should be fun. Nice, nice. <clears throat> My day was decidedly less. Uh... <laughs> Uh, cool, and, and cool, and I mean, I didn't get to do anything cool today, and it was hot as shit. So, uh, I worked like forty-seven detection dogs today, um, <laughs> and Jamie and I just ran like every dog we have through multiple sessions on boxes and fines and everything else, and then I was like, uh, "It's too hot to do bite work," so we didn't do any bite work today. So, uh, yeah. Um, Sometimes it's not glamorous, and it rained yesterday super hard, and we did a bunch of kennel maintenance <clears throat> to keep it from getting muddy and gross. So that was nice, but other than that, my day it sucked. It wasn't that great. So, um, yeah. <laughs> it wasn't as cool as riding elevators and throwing dogs in fucking broom closets, that's for sure. So... Uh... <laughs> right. Yeah. So... This is, um, I guess, is going to be one of the last segments of our Ladies of Canine um, series, maybe. I don't know. Uh, we'll, really? probably, we'll probably edit that out. I don't know. If we do, we do. We don't, we don't. Um, if we decide to do another one, we may do another one in a couple months. Anyway, uh, we've covered breeders. We've covered handlers. We've covered trainers. So one thing I, that's near and dear to my heart is decoying. Um, so we have... Um, She's a very good trainer also, but she's also a very good female decoy. Uh, tonight we have Adrian Ray. Adrian, how are you? I'm good. What's going on? Oh, well, you know, sweating, drinking, and, uh, <laughs> and talking about dog stuff. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, so um, give us your background a little bit, uh, how you got into dogs, how you got into canine, and we'll move forward from there and get into the decoy stuff. All right. Sounds good. Um well, this goes way back for me. Um, I My dad is a dog trainer, so he's been involved in sport dog training pretty much as long as I've been alive. So I remember being, you know, 9, 10 years old and walking outside and there's, you know, 10, 12 American Bulldogs posted up on back ties and they're doing protection training, and that was just normal for me. Um, so... That, it's, I've been around it pretty much my whole life. Um, uh, once I got a little bit older, I wanted to start to learn how to handle the dog. So that was, I think I was like 14 or 15. Um, and I started handling the dogs and my dad would decoy, right? So <clears throat> I would handle the dogs, he would decoy. And then one day I decided I want to be on the other end, right? So I, I my dad being the type of guy he is, I said, hey, 
I want to do this. He was like, all right. Mm. Right. So I was like, cool. Like, so he started throwing me in sleeves, throwing me in suits and teaching me just basic mechanics of catching a dog. Um, so I started that when, you know, started catching dogs, 15, 16 years old. Um, and it just kind of piggybacked off that. I mean, started working a bunch of dogs. I got to work with a lot of really good trainers at a young age, you know, IPO trainers. I started catching a lot of French ring dogs. Um, uh, got into PSA. I think I was 16 years old or something like that. Um, so I started working as many dogs as I could, as many different breeds as I could, and working with as many different trainers as I could to learn. So I've just always loved training dogs. I mean, ever since I can remember. One of my earliest memories of um, kind of, I guess, I guess kind of like, man, I want to do this is I, we, my dad lived in an old farmhouse and he had this bulldog named Mackie Do and uh, he would tell this dog to watch, right? Like a basic alert command, right? And this dog would run from like the back door to the sliding glass door and just bark and like bark, bark, bark. And I was like, holy shit. Like I was intrigued by that. I was like, how did he get this dog to do that? Right. Like I was like really uh, intrigued by that. So that was probably my earliest memory and it just kind of stuck. And so I started catching dogs and around 16, 15, 16 and, uh, you know, I figured out, like, I was working dogs way more than I was doing my schoolwork. Yeah. And um, so I dropped out of high school at 16, and I got my first kennel job at a kennel called KB Kennels in Bourbonnais. It was American Bulldogs. I was, it was all American Bulldogs from, you know, nine years old to, like, 15, right? American Bulldogs, that's all I kind of ever knew. I didn't even know what a Malinois was at this point. So I got this kennel job, you know, started working there, managing the kennel, um, and training these dogs, right? And I did, and it was a lot of iron dog stuff, right? So like hardest hit and, you know, weight pull and confirmation and, uh, you know, they had protection tournaments involved in that as well. Um, but I started working at this kennel at 16. And then my dad knew a trainer at Tar Heel Canine in North Carolina, right? So he said, let's go. We're going to North Carolina. So uh, we loaded up a couple dogs. I had this bulldog named Code Red, who was a badass bulldog till this day. Loved him. And my dad had a Malinois at that point, and we loaded him up and went to Tar Heel Canine and uh, hung out for, I don't know, like a week. And I got to meet all the trainers and work some dogs. Because at this point, I've been in the suit a little bit. I, you know, I've been, you know, doing forearm gr- grips, um, a lot of leg dogs because I did a lot of, you know, like I learned from a lot of French ring guys. Um and started doing some bicep stuff. And um, so hung out, caught dogs, met all the trainers. And that pretty much led me into an internship at 18. And the rest is kind of history after that, I guess. I mean, <laughs> so. Uh-huh. 
American Bulldogs. Who would have thought? American Bulldogs. So, so I worked Bulldogs, right, from, like, young kid to, like, I guess I was, like, 15 or 16. And my dad got a couple Malinois, right? So he gets these Malinois, and I'm like, holy shit, this is way easier. Like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, these dogs are awesome. Like, we need to get more of these, right? Like, you know, they come out, they want to work. They're they have, they're super high prey, and you know, so yeah, bulldogs. And you know, my dad took me hog catching. We did a lot of hog catching with the bull, and it's so it was really fun. And I was just I don't know, twelve, thirteen years old, and we would go out hog catching. And I remember my mom found out, and she ripped him a new asshole. Like. She was like, what are you doing taking her cock catchy cheek, 12 years old, blah, blah. And I loved it. Like, I loved every second of it. You know, like, so, yeah, I've just, I don't know, I've been, I've been involved in working dogs since I can remember. And I don't most, know, it's just. When, when most dads take their kids hog catching, it's a whole different reference. Like, it's the bar. <laughs> It's a whole thing, you know, maybe a 17 or 18 year old son, you know, that's, that's all. Oh yeah. But but that's, I mean, that's amazing that, you know, your dad sounds like really cool. Like he definitely wanted you to do what you wanted to do. He totally supported me the whole time. Like when I looked at him, I remember, I remember to this day, we're in the training room and I was like, I want to, I want to, I want a decoy. And he didn't. You know, I was 14, 15. He didn't look at me like you're a 14, 15-year-old girl. He was like, okay, let's do it. And he yeah. was probably thinking like, oh, you could work my dogs. Like, I'll teach you how <laughs> to work my dogs, to. right? Yeah. Right. Like, so, yeah, he always he always supported me. And my mom hated the idea, right? Like, she was like, I'd come home all bruised up. And, like, she'd be like, I just don't like this. <laughs> I'm like, well, I love it, so. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I mean, it's kind of been, it's been in my life for, since I can remember. And once I, you know, went to Tar Heel, I I was 18 and the head trainer called me up and I remember this because I like, I wanted to go there so bad. Like I went there when I was 16 and I got, like I said, I, I went there a couple times. My dad brought me, uh, cause he knew a trainer there and we'd go and hang out and train and, um, I really wanted to, I really wanted to like work there. Like that was like my dream, you know, being 16 and like mm-hmm. working dogs. And like, I wanted that life. I wanted that lifestyle. So like, I wanted it to be every day. All like, that's just what I wanted. And, and I remember, you know, being 18 years old and I get a phone call from, uh, Janet Dooley, who was the head trainer at Tar Heel at the time. She calls me up. At this point, I'm on crutches. I had blown my knee out, right? Like, I'm in my backyard. I'm on crutches. She calls me. She's like, hey, so we are really interested to have you as an intern here at Tar Heel. And blah, 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 you know, starts getting into all this spiel. And I'm like, holy fucking shit. Like, this is happening. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Like, it's, it's finally coming. Right? I'm like, yeah. Like, I was super stoked. And. And here I am on crutches, right? And she's like, you know, we would love for you to come here and be our intern. And, you know, and I said, absolutely. Uh, when when do you want me to come? Like, when? And she's like, can you be here in, like, four days? 
I was like, uh, <laughs> no. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and plus I was working at the kennel. So that kind of gave me an out to say, you know, I need two weeks. You know, I'm not just going to dip, you know, from this job that I've been, I've been working at this kennel. And, but in my mind, I'm like, I can't even walk right now. Like, and I never told them that, like, this is probably the first time they've actually heard that. Like I show up and I'm just like wrapping my knee up, like, don't fail on me knee, you know, like, mm-hmm. so showed up at Tar Heel and started working a ton of dogs. I mean, and then it so, just, so it just, back up to when, when you were doing the bulldogs, I'm, I'm curious about this. So, uh, what is decoying for bulldogs like? Well, comparatively, I should say, I mean, it depends back in the day, like back in the day, like I'm so old, <laughs> I'm right. old. but like <laughs> back when you could like, when there was really good bulldogs, it wasn't like that dog I brought to Tar Heel Cold Red when I was like 16. He was a badass dog. Like I really liked it. He was, he was a nice dog, but I feel like today it's, it's hard to find nice bulldogs. Maybe. Mm. I don't know. I don't want to piss anyone off, but like, um, it's different. Like they are way more of a defensive animal than your Malinois, right? So like you have to work them a little bit differently and you have to figure out, you base, you just have to figure out how to work each individual dog. And when you, when it comes to the off breeds, like, you know, the Bulldogs, the Dobermans, the Roddies, mm-hmm. right? Like some of them dogs, you have to approach them a little bit differently than your high prey dogs. So I believe, you know, they can, I, you can still work them and you can still get them to do really cool stuff. You just have to be able to adapt and understand how to work that dog to its, to its fullest potential. Right. But when it came to Malinois, cause I, I got introduced to PSA when I was like 16 and it was I, my first trial. Where was it? it was like, it was in Cookville, Tennessee, actually. Um, we stopped there on the way back to Illinois and I remember watching it and I was like, man, I want to do this. Like, I want to do that. And I think for PSA, Malinois is definitely exceeding the sport just because the type of sport it is. Um, you know, your high prey dogs do really well in that sport, but you know, bulldogs can be very interesting to work just like some of your other defensive breeds. You know, it's, I think if you understand how to work them, right, like, you can create something really nice, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Um, but when you get them, when you get a Malawan for you, sometimes it makes it a little, it's it's almost easy. Like, it's almost really easy to get that dog to do what you want through prey drive, you know, so. Oh, yeah, you know, and one of the things, well, one of the things I always tell people or, well, not people, my officers, I don't give a fuck what anybody else thinks, but one of the things I always tell my, my handlers, I'm like, you know, if I have to convince this dog to bite somebody, right? like, if I have to do something, he's not about it. And, right. and you know, when they look at me, I'm like, no, seriously, think about this for a second. You do a mile-long track at 3 o'clock in the morning in the fucking rain or whatever else, and there's some asshole laying up under a bush, and you tell that mm-hmm. guy, uh, and they're not moving. And they have to get bit. I said, you know, at that point, it should be a foregone conclusion. And, you know, there's a and for whatever reason, maybe because I'm paying attention or maybe I'm not. I don't know. But recently there's been a a very high 
amount of talk of dogs that are operating on whatever drive they need to be driven, you know, they need whatever drive they need to be in to bite people. And, you mm-hmm. know, when I have my handlers, you know, when when they come to our school, we like to try to get them away and send them away with some problem-solving skills, too. Like, you know, this is how you maintain it because they're going to go to small departments or maybe go to large ones. But, you know, they need to be able to understand kind of some very fundamental, um, you know, reasons why dogs do what they do. And I make it super simple mm-hmm. for them. And I just say dogs bite people for people for two reasons and two reasons only if you're a police dog. They either need to or they want to. And if I have to convince that dog that he, if I have to pull him out of, out of, you know, if it, if he doesn't want to be there, then there's nothing I can do about it and you're fucked. So, you know, and it's interesting you bring all this up. I mean, this is a perfect portion of like why we wanted to have you on and why this is a great decoy thing because, you know, everybody wants to like overcomplicate it and whatever else, but you're right. I mean. You know, I've worked several bulldogs. In fact, one of my interns has one now, and dog has great prey, ish, and sort of wants to chase a tennis ball, sort of wants right. to chase a sleeve, but fuck around. Right. If it's a, it's, if it's an animal, holy shit, that dog will tear up <laughs> sighting. <laughs> he tried to tear up somebody's car. I mean, he is. Uh-huh. And, you know, and that's when, you know, because this kid is super young and I'm like, you know, prey is not like prey universally. I mean, because he chases that doesn't necessarily mean the other thing, because I have dogs like police dogs that will tear people up, but they won't chase a cat. So. Right. Right. Yeah. Very. It's it's not always fluid. Like. Exactly. You know, when it comes to. Yeah. Yeah. So So when you go to Tar Heel, what was your like the biggest eye opener for you there for decoy stuff? Well, I mean, it was the, honestly the nice freaking dogs. Like, like I said, I come from a lot of bulldogs, and um, I just had gotten into Malinois right before I went to Tar Heel, and it was like going to Tar Heel and and being able to work so many nice dogs, like. And learned from these dogs. Like, I was 18 years old and had a bunch of learn, still have stuff to learn, right? So, like, mm-hmm. when I got, when I was able to get in front of these dogs, I was like, wow, like, like, Jerry imports really good dogs. And I was fortunate enough to be able to work there for a long time and learn from these dogs. And, you know, you make mistakes and, you know, but that's how you learn. But I think that was the biggest thing for me was, like, you know, you get a shipment of 16, 17 dogs and you're just like, okay, hell yeah, we can work with this, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, just good dogs. Um, and also I learned a lot from when I first got there. I had, a, you know, I learned a lot from the trainers there at the time, you know. So I was, I was very fortunate to come into a world where they were super patient with me and, taught me a lot of things and, you know, all these different trainers and took the time and allowed me to make mistakes and learn from these mistakes. So overall, I think being, you know, 18, 19 years old and having that opportunity, like, like you can't beat that, you know, like being so young and being able to learn from some of the best trainers in the country there's nothing that competes with that, you know? Um, 
So it, like I said, I I I'm there. I was so stoked when Janet called me. And I was like, there's no freaking way I'm passing this up. I don't care if I have a blown ACL or not. Like, <laughs> you know, like I'm I'm going. <laughs> so, yeah, it was excellent experience. My time there, hands down, hands down. So for the young. 18 year old that wants to do that like apprenticeship or, or internship kind of thing um just so we're clear to these folks and ted and i have mentioned this a few times it isn't all glamour There's no other side of working <laughs> at a kennel that, that yeah. people just don't ever talk about and yeah and, and they just don't get it we can you enlighten no. folks yeah. Uh, so, like, you get on YouTube and, like, all these, you know, because they're social media. Oh, Lordy. Save us all, right? But, like, you get on YouTube and you get on, you know, Facebook and you watch all these badass videos, you know, of these cool police dogs doing awesome things and, like, biting people and finding dope and, like, tracking people and biting people. And you're like, I want to do that, right? And... <laughs> I always, because Tar Heel is also a school for dog trainers, right? So we would also, we would have to, you know, my role was um, to prep the dogs for the handlers course, right? So prep, you know, dope dogs, um, bomb dogs, patrol dogs. and But I also had students, right? And we're teaching them how to train police dogs. So, you know, all these students would show up day one, right? Say they're, say they're doing the master trainers course. So that's like a six month course. Right. And they would show up day one and they're like, I just love dogs and they're just awesome. And I just want to do this. And right. And you're like, okay, all right. I'm, I'm loving the positivity. Right. And the, the motivation. Yeah. Right. It's awesome. And then like you get to like month four, it's hot as shit. Right. It's 5am because it's North Carolina and it's hot as shit. Right. In the summertime, you're like, hey, we got to get here at 5 a.m., load oh, yeah. these dogs up, go on tracking, right? Because we want to get this shit out of the way so we could, like, not die. And these dogs are, you know, going to be dying in the in the trailer, right? Like, just hot. And, you know, four months later, they're, like, rolling in. They're like, ugh. And I'm like, oh, you love dogs, do you? Like, let's go. You want to be a police dog trainer? Come on. Mm-hmm. Get your ass together, right? Like. So it it was always very um you kind of you had the people that came that were just kind of trying to take a break from life sometimes I think and just thought it was cool and then you had the students that were really committed you know like those were the people that those were the students were you know I respected a lot because they weren't there for the glamour Right. Like, I think I think sometimes in this industry, people chase glamour and glory. Right. Like they don't understand the day to day grind of training a police dog, of training a sport dog. If you want to compete at a high level, like it takes time and it takes sweat and it takes commitment. Right. And you get big and you get pissed off and you get angry. And, right. And like so I always respected the students that from day one to the last month of their six-month course just worked their asses off, and they wanted to learn. They're hungry, right? They wanted to get up at 5 o'clock in the morning and go tracking and, you know, get bit by dogs all day and get covered in 
you know, dog fiber and dog crap and just hungry to learn, you know, like, so it's not all, it's not all fun and games, right? Like it's hard work and, you know, it's like people see it and they're like, you you have such a cool job. And I'm like, yeah, it's cool. However, comma. Yeah, that's what I tell people. I mean, you know, my handlers show up, and you know, the dogs are done when they show up, and I'm like, "Yeah, I, he's done." Like, I mean, I could go certify with him wherever you're going to go, but you can't, which is why you're here. And you know, right. they say you get a patrol dog, and they're like, "Oh shit, this should be easy, right?" And be like, e- "Sure," and yeah. they don't see. And then, so like, I've had some of the local guys that are close, like they'll come and train with me a couple times a week, and you know, they see these incremental changes in there. I'm like, yeah, we got to do the same thing 3000 fucking times. And I mean, (laughs) like they don't see like these tiny little like steps, like over and over and over and over Mm -hmm. and over do the same fucking thing over and over. And I'm like, and I tell people all the time, like it's super repetitive. And they say, Oh, you got a cool job. I'm like, fuck. They're like, Oh, you play with dogs all day. I'm like, that's what you think I do. You know, because there's the whole like dog training aspect. Right. And then Mm -hmm. there's the whole like other aspect of cleaning in the kennel. Like yesterday, I did all the freaking kennel maintenance, you know, and Jamie and Alicia and I and everybody were out there fucking raking rocks and cleaning. And like we didn't hardly do any training yesterday. And then there's the other side of it where I'm answering emails and returning phone calls to the sheriff's departments and sending invoices and writing curriculum and all the other shit that goes along with it. And I'm like, you know, actual like running a leash is not what a Mm -hmm. majority of what I do is. No. Nope. So, but people are like, oh, isn't always greener on the other side. Well, no, they're like, oh, you throw, you like, you throw fucking flashbangs and catch dogs all day. I'm like, uh, not really. I wish, I wish. (laughs) Like, no, that's not true. Sorry. (laughs) I wish I I could just jump in. I wish I could just jump in elevators all day and catch dogs, but that's not. Hey, 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 stop. (laughs) (laughs) I tell tell people I will spend more time during my day. Watching dogs piss and shit than I do, uh, you know, at the end of the leash in a field or whatever, than I do actually work. And and they forget that part, you know. Mm-hmm. So let's yeah. uh, let's go ahead and take a couple minutes here and go through some commercials. And then when we come back, we're going to get into the reason why we are talking about decoy work. Stand by. Let's take a second and talk about Dogtra. Astute trainers with proper training tools are the key to unleashing any dog's potential. For over 30 years, Dogtra has collaborated with industry professionals to create class-leading tools in e-collar training, GPS tracking, and boss training to support dog owners in developing top-notch dogs. One of the ways they do that is superior technology, ergonomics, design, and durability. They have gradual and precise stimulation control via their patented 127-level rheostat dial, so you have a minimal jump in stimulations. They have trusted durability and reliability. I use them every day at the kennel and have for years. Works all the time, every time. Weatherproof, waterproof, and pretty much idiot-proof. They're, speaking of which, is intuitive and innovative. There's no fuss, no hassle. When you hear Eric talking about making sure the handlers know exactly where the remote is and it's a no-look use, this is exactly what he's talking about. Hit him up at doctor.com. 
Let me hop in here and talk about our one of our sponsors for the podcast, Southern Coast Canine, based out in New Smyrna, Florida. Southern Coast Canine has been providing better training, better results, and better dogs for over 25 years. Led by Bill Heiser and known for their excellent high drive, dual purpose, and detection dogs and outstanding customer service. They have what you want and what you are looking for. Call 1-877-903-DOGS. That's 877-903-3647 and speak with Bill and to discuss your canine needs today. Or visit southerncoastcanine.com. That's the letter K, the number nine. Follow them on Facebook and Instagram at southerncoastcanine, the letter K, the number nine. This episode is brought to you by Highland Canine Training, LLC. They offer total solutions for law enforcement and military organizations to meet their increasingly demanding canine needs. Connect with them and see the difference. At tacticalpolicecaninetraining.com, that's tacticalpolice, the letter K, the number nine, training.com. Guys, they're fucking good. All right, we're back. Uh, we're going to get into the nitty-gritty of this, uh, the Ladies in Canine series. And we're going to talk to um, the dogs in the background, apparently, about decoying. Fucking assholes. We're going to have to so, edit that out. Right. So, hey, uh, shut the fuck up. Which we will not edit any of this part of. <laughs> so, so um, it, of all the things that you've done, so you started, you know, doing working the bulldogs and everything with your dad and everything, and then you mm-hmm. move on to Tar Heel. Did you just mm-hmm. at, at what point did you decide, or maybe I'm wrong here, but what point did you decide that decoying is your thing? Mm, it was pretty early on. Like I just. Probably, probably right when, I mean, the first bite. right before, right before, right before I got to Tar Heel. I mean, I just, I, I just kind of knew, I was like, man, I really like this. Like, I really, and it wasn't, it wasn't anything like, I've always been, I've, I've always been an athlete. I've always been really athletic. I'm, I'm. Just to throw it out there, I'm 5'6", 130 on a good day, right? So, like, I'm not very big, right? But I've always been – I was a gymnast for about 10 years. I've always been quite strong for my size. And when I first started catching dogs, it was just kind of like – I just kind of knew, you know, like, man, this is is what I want to do. And the more I did it, the more – and the more I started to learn, right, the more I started to learn about not only mechanics – Anyone can throw a suit on and catch a dog. I can, and I don't want to sound like an asshole when I say this, but I can no take right, my 11. does it all the time. I, I can take my 11-year-old niece out, throw, you know, throw a suit top on her and teach her how to catch a dog mechanically, right? But, like, I wanted to learn how to train a dog, not just catch a dog, you know. Um, so it was pretty early on that I... I think I recognized that I wanted to do that. I wanted to do the decoy work because I was, I was just so intrigued by the training. You know, I'd watch these dogs when I was a kid and like do these things. And I'm just like, how, like, how do you get them to do that? I want to, I want to learn, you know, like it was just something I was always very interested in. So, and then once I got to Tar Heel, I was like, now I'm, I'm around these awesome trainers, these awesome dogs. I'm just going to soak it all in, right? Like, I'm just going to sit here. You tell me what to do. 
and put these dogs on me and let's do this, you know? And I just been, I was super fortunate for that. So the decoy work has always been very close to my heart. You know, I, I did a lot of detection training at Tar and tracking, right. And all that stuff. But the decoy work has been close to my heart for a long time. So, so, okay. So let's go back to the mechanics conversation you were just talking about. So mm-hmm. um, you have somebody who is like, you know, I, I don't know that I could do this cause I'm uh, either a guy or a girl. I'm slight or whatever, or, I'm overweight or if I'm, you know, maybe I think I'm going to muscle my way through this. So let's, let's talk about, let's go through real quick the steps that you use. Like, so you have, um, we'll, we'll give you like a 70 pound Dutch shepherd and mm-hmm. he's, you're at about 35, 40 feet from him. And he's probably going to hit about 37, 38 miles an hour. Yeah, and we're going to do, we're going to do a catch on the tricep. So let's let's uh-huh. go through the mechanics on how you do this and not eat a face full of dirt. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's everyone's going to eat a face full of dirt here and oh, there, but yeah. I mean, I mean, I think it just comes down to being aware of where your body is a lot, right? So, like when you get used to catching these big, you know, fast dogs, you just learn how to manipulate your body in a way to counteract, right, like that momentum. Right, so if I'm running away from a dog, right, say it's like a PSA tricep bite, which is, you see that, you know, obviously the two-man, that's a huge one, right? Like, you know, frontal catch, drive, out, handler attack, catch, drive, transport, flea bite, right? So, like, when I'm going downfield, right, I'll just kind of run downfield, run downfield, that dog coming in, I'm siding him, right, give him that forearm, give him that tricep, he hits, and I... I mean, there's pictures on probably my Facebook page, right, where I'm literally, like, squatting, right? Like, the dog hits me in the tricep, and I just lean my whole body, and I squat back, right, to counteract that dog's ass flying above my head, right, to, like, put him on the ground and then go into my drive. So, it's hard. Like, people ask me that, and I'm like, it's kind of, you just have to, you just have to do it. Yeah. You have to, if you're my size or even, a, or even, and the thing, it's not always about size, right? Like if you go to decoy camps, there's guys there that are six to 200 pounds, right? And they can't catch it. It's not always about size. Like they cannot catch a dog, right? It comes down to athleticism and it comes down to understanding mechanics, right? And like not, and not being afraid. Like, that's a big one, right? I'm sure, like, because, Ted, you, you're a PSA decoy. You've been through the camp and all that stuff. There's a lot of guys that come out there that may, you know, bail or they may, you know, close up because you're like, holy shit. Yeah. This 80-pound Malinois is coming hard, and you freaking panic, right? And, yeah. like, so it just comes down to, like, doing it and, and getting as many dogs on you as you can and practicing yeah, my uh, my current intern, one of them, <clears throat> is a um, college kid, and he bugged me for a while, and he was like, oh, "I want to learn a decoy." I'm like, "I bet you do," and because I've had several people tell me that, and they get bitten once, and they're like, "Nope." So he come, yeah, he comes out, and I'm standing there trying to explain stuff to him, and he kind of looks at me, and I should back up. He's like 21, yeah, he's like 21, 
and mm-hmm. um, he's a uh, a roper. Um, he's putting himself to college uh, roping calves, like he's on like the college team. He's actually at um, collegiate nationals right now. Uh, super proud of him. He's a good kid. Does exactly what I tell him to do, which is really important. But um, okay. you know, I'm trying to explain to him how, like how this works, and I'm like, you know what, I. <laughs> There's no really way to explain this other than you just get fucking smashed. Like, I mean, you have to, I, I, yeah, I, you know, have to just do it. I mean, you have I to can, practice. And you know, I I I make sure, and I know that when you were a Tar Heel, it was the same way when you were learning. You know, I make sure that when I got people like that, I put them in situations where they're going to be successful, like where I, I know the dog, I know the handler, I know where the dog's going, I know what the dog's going to do so that I right. can coach him through it. I'm like, do X, Y, and Z. So when people see video of him working, they're like, shit, how long has it been decoying? I'm like, six months. They're like, what? I'm like, well, to be fair, right. it's a six-year-old patrol dog that has 37 bites on the street yeah. and has worked on, you know, really good decoys. And so, like, mm-hmm. I mean... Don't <laughs> you always you always think experience, you always think experience with inexperience, right? Like right, right, right. Which is you know I think I mean? that's the right way to do it for sure. But yeah, I know. I mean, you're you're a hundred percent right. So, and kind of leading into that, what role? Because the episode that uploaded today uh, was with Fred uh, Fusco from Storm Tactical Consulting, and and some of the thing, one of the things that he said was well he said two things that were that kind of ring true for me the two biggest important or the two most important things for him for handling for military and law enforcement one you have to have a good relationship with the dog as a handler which kind of goes without saying second of all if you've got a patrol dog you absolutely have to have access to good decoys and okay. to maintain or to teach so in you, you kind of touched on it a minute ago what role does a decoy play in, in sport and in law enforcement work and in military in um, teaching proper biting behavior, teaching proper targeting, teaching proper bite behavior, teaching and fuck for that matter, teaching an out. I mean, uh-huh. so everything related to putting teeth on people, uh-huh. how important is the role of a decoy? A hundred percent. Like you're the trainer in that situation. I think some deco- I think people overlook decoys a lot. Like people don't really understand that when you, when a dog is learning how to bite, it's the decoy that's teaching that, right? So from eight weeks to so foundation, right? Like I always you and I still do. Like I'm in Tennessee now, right? Like doing a lot of different training and I always stress how important foundation is right so like from eight weeks old to you know 16 months right you have to teach a strong foundation and that's all the decoys work like that 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 comes down to the Training decoy teaching that dog how to work in prey how to work in defense right um how to target it's all the decoy in foundation the handler is just holding the leash right you're just holding a leash right and telling your dog to watch or, or or encouraging your dog most of the time right so when you're teaching these prey fundamentals right and you're teaching these defense fundamentals it um the handler isn't really doing much besides standing there right um so the other thing I see with some of the older dogs, right, like, say the foundation has been developed, 
so these dogs they would come in a tar heel we don't have time we didn't have time to teach foundation like these dogs needed to have a good um foundation of prey work and a good foundation defense work because we needed to start skills asap for certification right so like we needed to start outs we need to start costs we need to start redirects we needed to start all the control work right because we're trying to put these dogs on the street so um when it whether it's foundation or skills training that that's all the decoys work right like so I don't know. It, it, it's super important. And I think if you could find a good decoy, they can either make or break a dog, right? Like you can have a really nice dog. And if you have a poor decoy, right? Like you may break that dog. Oh yeah. Right. So, I mean, super easy. So I think finding yourself a good decoy to teach, you know, good foundation and then a Oh, and a lot of things I see, too, is with older dogs, a lot of people working all these dogs in prey all the time, right? So my job as a decoy is not to only teach a dog to work in prey as a young dog, to work in defense as a young dog. But as he starts to age, like, I have to start putting pressure on him, right? Like, my job is to challenge the dog a little bit. Right, so he learns, especially you know in PSA, because you know I decoy for this sport, I compete in this sport. They put a lot of pressure on dogs in that sport, right? Like even if you do, even if you look at the carjack for the PDC, like that's a lot of pressure. It's a civil scenario. You're in a hidden sleeve. You're in a cover, right? You're in that dog's face in the car. You have a jug of rocks, and you're bringing the heat. You see a lot of dogs not engaging that, right? Or they may bite, oh, yeah. pop All the off, time. bite, pop off. Now, now I'm in that dog's head, right? So, like, when you go to the handler tax, that dog's already a little wiggy. He's a wonky. I like that word, wonky, right? <laughs> he's, he's, he's not good. He's not bad. He's just wonky. He's like, oh, shit, right? So, like, you get into his head in that carjack, and then you have, you know, that handler tech come out, and he's getting a little wiggy, right? So... I think being able to not only build a dog's confidence as a young dog in prey work, but also start to show this dog little, little bits of confrontation as a young dog and teaching him to channel, right? Like teaching that dog to work and prey and then see these pictures of confrontation and teaching him, hey, as long as you stay engaged, right, and you put, you give me desirable behaviors like pushing, we like pushing grips in PSA, right? Like the dog just wants more. He comes forward. He doesn't back up, right? So as long as you push, right, the pressure will stop, and now you can kick my ass a little bit, right? Like teaching the dog the basic fundamentals, and then by the time he's a year, year and a half, you're putting nice heavy drives on him with, you know, a can curtain and some stick pressure, and he's like, Psh, this is part of the repertoire, like, I, I I know how to handle this confrontation, right? Because you work a dog and prey for so long, right? And you see this a lot with police dogs because guys don't understand how to challenge a dog, right? A lot of these cops. It's send the dog, they bite, and you just kind of, you just kind of like shake and like move. 
it's not really productive for the dog, right? So the dog is only worked in prey because these guys may not have the knowledge to, you know, apply pressure on the dog and teach the dog, you know, teach the dog to work through and raise that avoidance threshold, right? So the dog is, you, you essentially give that dog a false sense of security of, I'm kicking this guy's ass all the time, right? Like, I just go and bite and kick his ass, right? But what if the prey fights back, right? Like, that's my job as a decoy is to teach this dog, if I fight back, you better handle this shit, right? But if you don't expose the dog to any any of this pressure or any of this confrontation, right, whether it's a police dog or a sport dog, you know, PSA, I think that is different from a lot of the other sports because you see a lot of dogs get run, right, because of the pressure that's brought in the sport, is that dog has never been taught how to deal with that amount of stress, right? So I come out or whoever you come out, it's fight or flight, right? Like it's, you're either going to engage or you're going to say, oh shit, I don't know how to deal with this right now, right? And you see it a lot in police dogs, right, to where the dogs have been given the false sense of security. I only work and pray. I kick this guy's ass all the time. And now this guy, you know, this guy is 6'5 and starts punching me in the head. And I don't know how to deal with this sort, this sort of stress, right? Right. So being a good decoy, you have to understand, like, how to do teach foundation. And it's not all prey work for me. I start teaching young dogs how to work in, you know, start giving them little defensive pictures at a young age so I can start to teach them how to deal with that stress and how to channel from prey to defense to prey to defense, right? And and ebb and flow fluidly, right? And by the time they're an older they're an older dog, it's not such a big deal, right? Um and sometimes you see dogs that you you get two dogs, I think, in PSA. You get dogs that especially in like the ones and even PDCs, like they come out and maybe they haven't been exposed to dealing with stress or dealing with confrontation and they're going to get run, right? So like you come out and you're like, hey, 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 and they're like, back up, back up, back up, right? Right. Or you get dogs that are genetically gifted, right? They're young dogs. They're strong. They have a high avoidance threshold, right? They're They're nice, strong dogs, right? I know I'm not going to run this dog. However, if you haven't taught that dog how to channel, right, from prey and work high in defense, and then when the confrontation ends to snap back into prey, he's not going to want to fucking let go. So my job now as a trial (laughs) decoy is to say, hey, he's not, I'm not running this dog, but I really am going to try to encourage him not to want to let go, right? Or, you know what I mean? So, oh, like, yeah. So, it's like there's so much involved in decoy work to where I think people just watch it like, you're just getting bit by a dog. I'm like, there's so much more involved in what I'm teaching this dog throughout foundation, right? And then right. when it comes to skills training, right, like all your control, your outs and all that, you know, fancy, fancy shit, like – that takes some experience too, like to where you know how to how to teach proper outs and in in you know 
the power of reward, right? Like, yeah, that was a huge thing with that Tar Heel. Like Jerry, like excellent trainer. Oh yeah, my biggest mentor, right? Like, was he's very scientific, right? Like, he's a very scientific trainer, which I I like, right? Science over hashtags. Like, I don't know. <laughs> like, I like that. you know what I mean? Like, so I, getting the, getting these dogs to do things that, you know, some of these really powerful dogs that you tend to see at Tar Heel, these, you know, you, the Texas crew, right? Like oh, some yeah. of these guys up in the Northeast, like these are fucking monsters, right? And it's all about getting these dogs to want to do these things for us, not using biceps, right? Jerry always used to say brains over biceps, right? When you're dealing with a handler aggressive dog or you're dealing with a dog that's very hard, right? And, and has a lot of drive, right? If you rely on compulsion, it's going to fall apart on the field all day, every day of the week, right? So, I mean, there, there's so much, I think, that's involved in the decoy work that a lot of people don't really understand until you start teaching them, right? Like how much is involved in the foundation work. And it's always, it's always a step, it's a, it's a ladder, right? Like yeah. if you don't have a good foundation and you start training skills, you're going to have big issues, right? Um, so being able to catch a dog, great, cool. Right, you can throw on a suit. You can make. You can mechanically catch a dog. Good for you. That's awesome. That's a start. Right. That's where everyone starts is learning mechanics. Right. But there's a big difference between just catching a dog and training a dog. I think you know, like yeah, I mean, training this dog. Training this dog from eight weeks old and that dog is competing at, at a high level. Like there's, there's a lot that goes on in between there, you know, yeah. like, and so. a, minute ago, a minute ago, you mentioned like, you know, uh, well, I mean, several times you mentioned, but like good and bad decoys. So, you know, you don't have to name names, which I wouldn't expect you to, um, but <laughs> what, what makes a good or a bad decoy? And, 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 you know, you don't have to talk about, I mean, because we've being able to establish um, a foundation is obviously important. You've got to be good to do that. <clears throat> but in terms of like maintenance work for patrol dogs, and I'm talking about just maintaining where they're at. I'm not talking about problem solving. I'm not talking about anything else. But you know, what skill sets? Because this leads into another question that I'm going to ask in a second. But what skill sets do you have, or do they need, or what do they need to understand to be a good decoy? or what makes them bad, <laughs> I guess. Well, I, I guess, I mean, if it's a fin- more a finished dog, you just need to understand how to maintain the actual skill, right? So, <clears throat> I mean, if you're just talking about, like, patrol, are you ta- just asking him, like, patrol yeah, dogs? Yeah, yeah, or, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, just, like, maintaining, um, you know, the buildings, there's a lot. I mean, there's, there's a hand, like maintaining the building search, maintaining the vehicle extractions, maintaining the area searches, right? Like where placement is huge, right? So that's what I always used to teach at Tar Heel was it's just like searching for dope, right? You have high, you have low, you have deep, you have shallow. 
right? So, like, maintaining the dog's search pattern for those three big exercises, right? And understanding, like, sometimes you have to go deep. Sometimes you go shallow to keep to maintain that dog's search pattern. Is that, is that making sense? Um, oh, yeah. So, like, so maintaining that, right? And then, obviously, you have to keep maintaining the skills, right? Because at this point, again, the foundation has already been taught. Hopefully, it's strong, blah, 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 right? We're not worried so much about that. So, um, maintaining the skills as in maintaining the out and guard. And it's, like, so foreign to so many people that teaching an out, if you actually reward the dog for the out, it actually works, like, yeah. right? So, like, it oh, actually yeah. works, like, power of reward. Like, reward the dog for a recall. Reward the dog for the out. Reward the dog. If you start actually reward, like, reinforcing behaviors, right, like, the dog will probably start performing them stronger and stronger, right? So teaching them just simple things of, you know, I think, and again, it comes a good, bad, whatever, and I don't want to say, like, good and bad. I think a lot of these people just don't know. They just don't know, like, how to keep, maintain this stuff, right? Like, from my experience, right. it's not that they're bad. It's not that you're like, ah, oh, this guy sucks or whatever. It's like, they just don't know. Like, you have to teach them, right? Like, what's your re- what are you rewarding right now? What are you trying to discourage? Right. Like, again, science over hashtags. Right. Theory. Right. So, like, I, I don't like to get into, like, oh, he suck. And cause a lot of times it's like they just don't know. Like, you have to teach them. Right. So, and I'm sure you deal with that often. Um, yeah. So, like, maintaining, maintaining the skills. What are you rewarding? What are you trying to discourage or eliminate, like, behavior? wise right um and and patrol and also right like a lot of these times these guys come out with just like visible sleeves and they're like well he's not engaging in a live fight like he's having issues and you have to teach him like you have to start using head and equipment you have to start using suits right to teach the dog you know these dudes aren't running away in a visible sleeve all the time simple things right like, you have to teach um, equipment fixation drills. You know, I see there's so many times, like, I would set up simple exercises with some of these patrol dogs, right? And they're, like, five, six years old. And me and Jerry would, like, go do, like, a decoy seminar, and he would stick me, like, I'm visible. I'm, like, partially visible behind a tree and not deep. Like, you can see me, right? And these guys would get oh, their yeah. dogs out and try to alert them and the dogs are like sniffing the car and like they're trying to do a drug search on the car they had no idea what they were doing right like this is simple shit right for us but for some of these smaller departments that don't have a trainer or don't have someone to guide them like they they just don't know so you have to teach them these things Right. So, you know, I think that's what it comes down to is they're not, they're not bad. They just don't know. Like, I don't know. You know, no, like, no that's, that's exactly true. Like they don't know what they don't know. So they don't know what is, they don't know. And, you know, and I, I like, run, 
Yeah, I run into that a lot here. Um, there's a, some dudes, lo- and I can say this because I don't care, but there's some dudes locally that are, you know, I mean, they'll do a decoy seminar. And I made the joke that those motherfuckers couldn't catch Ebola in Africa, much less a dog, and then much less teach other handlers yeah. how to catch dogs. And I'm like, really? Mm-hmm. So, you know, I mean, it's something that that does, like, ring true. And, you know, Eric and I harp on it a lot. We haven't done, like, a decoy decoy episode. I think we're waiting or something but um you know you touched on some pretty pretty important points that we both talk about either in private or um mainly in private but (laughs) (laughs) yeah mainly in private but yeah so as a female because this is the ladies of canine so you know you're in an extremely male-dominated industry and an extremely Mm -hmm. male-dominated portion of that industry in law enforcement so (laughs) as a female How, like, if you, if there's other females listening, what good advice or best advice do you have for them, for females to, that wanted to get into decoying or that wanted to get into working dogs in general? Like, what what advice do you have for them? <laughs> well, well, um, you, you have to have hard skin. You have to have thick skin. Like, you know, you're constant. You're you're constantly going to be ridiculed. You're constantly going to be questioned. Like even if you know, with your experience, um, if I were a man walking into a situation, it you know it it, it would be different. I got this all the time at Tar Heel. Again, you know, like I was in my early twenties. I was a woman, right? And like all these cops would come, and they're like, "What the fuck are you going to teach us?" Like. And I'm just like, well, <laughs> we'll start here. And I, you know what the funny thing is? Like, these guys were like, I would, I would take my suit jacket off and I'd hand, all right, you suit up. And they'd be like, oh, no. Like, no, I'm not, I'm not taking a bite. I'm like, all right, then. Like, come yeah. on. Like, so, I mean, you're, you're constantly, I'm not, here's the thing. Like, I'm not in this to prove anything. I've, I've never, I've never been in this to prove anything. I've, I'm in this because I, I'm passionate about this. I'm really passionate about what I do. Um, I do this because it's really rewarding for me to, to work a dog, to create something, to create, and not only a dog, but a team. Like, you know, I do, I do a lot of sport dogs now. I don't, you know, at Tar Heel, I, t- I train a ton of police dogs, but I mean, I'm not into that so much now, but, you know, just sport teams in general, like, I'm not here to prove anything. I do this because I, I, I'm passionate and I like to see the progress. I'm not here to prove anything, right? So for women out there, it's like find someone that, you know, and we used to do this at Tar Heel all the time as well. Like, Sean is a big man, right? Sean Siggins. So, like, I would work with even some of the, you know, smaller men and a lot of the women because in order to work a dog and apply, and I'm not I'm not just talking about catch a dog and, like, mechanics, like, work a dog, put pre- like, understanding how to work a dog and put pressure on a dog, right? Like, I would take a lot of the women, obviously, and I would take some of the, the smaller men and teach them, like, technique, because I have to rely on technique a lot. I can't muscle a dog like a big man can. I just can't. I don't have that sheer mass, right, and that strength. 
So you have you just you have to learn, you know, good technique. You have to learn good mechanics. You have to be strong. I lift a lot of heavy weights. Like that's part of my life is for one, I need to be as strong as I can, and for two, to prevent injury because I am known to get hurt. Like I've had a couple injuries, right? And so you just. And you have to work three times as hard. Like, you have to work three times as hard. And I got into this at a young age. I love doing it. I'm not here to prove anything or to say, blah, 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 blah. The proof is in the pudding. Like, that's what I always like to say to people. I'm not one of these, you know, social media, blah, 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 blah. Social media could be really annoying and it can be really great as well. You can learn a lot, right? You can network. You can watch a lot of videos and learn. But I'm more out here on a day-to-day just trying to create good teams, good dogs, and keep my head low and keep on chipping away. You know, I've been doing this for almost 10 years. I'm 26 years old. I have a lot to learn. Like, that's my mindset. And every dog that gets, you know, some more advice is, the more dogs you get in front of you, the better, like, as many breeds as you can get in front of you. Like, starting with bulldogs taught me a lot because you have to work those dogs a lot differently than a Malinois. So, like, getting off-breeds in front of you, um, working as many dogs as you can and just keep chipping away, chipping away, chipping away. And, like, I can't, I can't wait from, like, 10, 15, 20 years from now and to see what I'm doing, right? Like, I don't know. It's just, have you just have to have the right attitude, have the right mindset. Guys are going to look at you and say, what the hell are you going to teach us, right? And, like, Jerry, Jerry, he's, like, my biggest mentor ever, and he always, he always, like, believed in me. Like, he was, like, he gave me the best advice when I was, like, 19. He said, you just have to know your shit, right? Like, know your shit. You can catch all you and just, you know, and like I mentioned it earlier in the conversation, I believe, of it's not only about catching dogs and being able to work dogs, teach foundation, and teach skills. There's a lot that's involved in all that. But also articulate to people why you're doing what you're doing, right? Like, I, I, if you can't explain to me why you're doing what you're doing, I'm just like, mm, okay, right? But if you have a good explanation, right, and you have knowledge, you have experience, I feel like people are more, you know, willing to listen, if that makes sense. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, so Ted said a few minutes ago that we hadn't really done a, a, a decoy-specific episode. I think we covered it tonight. I think we're good. I think so. Yeah. You uh, you summed up pretty much everything we would we would want to hit, and then you know from the from the ladies' perspective too. So uh, I, I really liked it. So right now, like, w- what do we got going on? What is uh, what does the future look like here for you? Oh, yeah, I, you know, I'm pretty excited right now. I've again, it's it's the journey, right? Like there's ups and it's just like life. There's ups and downs and there's been times where I had to take a step away and get a new perspective, right? Like 
and dog and I've always come back to dogs, right? And like right now I am in a good place. I'm in I'm in Tennessee right now and I'm working a lot of good dogs and sport dogs, not a lot of police dogs. I work a little police dogs, but not much. Um and you know, doing a little doing PSA, doing some IPO, doing some WDA and I'm just trying to again just keep progressing these teams I've been working with because that's again that's why I do this like that is that's why I do this it's rewarding for me I I love it like I love it I've got myself a little Malinois that I've been working my older dog is retired um my old man and uh I've got this Malinois I'm working and just keep like I said just keep chipping away and keep learning and keep teaching. I love to teach. I love to get in front of dogs and, um, you know, teach people. And the other thing is like 90% of the people I work with have never done this before, right? Like they're new handlers. They have, you know, this is their first dog, right? So like it takes a lot, you know, I've, I've bounced around a little bit, right? since I was, you know, 18 and Atari and I bounced around a little bit. Um, and it takes, I see myself sticking around Tennessee for a while because again, I'm, I, I like what I'm seeing here with the dogs and with the handlers and with the teams. And um, it takes time to create a solid group, right? Like groups I looked, like groups that I, you know, Tar Heel and the guys down in Texas, like, that's what I want to create. I want to create, like, super nice dogs, super upper-level teams, right? Like, so I see myself sticking around here for a while because if I leave, I just have to start over again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, and yep. I'm like, no, I like I like what's going on here. And I've been working these dogs for, you know, about a year now, and things are going well. And if I leave, I have to start over again. and I, I don't know. I like it here. So uh, Tennessee is a place for me right now, which coincidentally, my first PSA trial was in Cookville, which I'm like two hours from Cookville. I go up there and train often, but um, yeah, I mean, I'll be here for a while and doing my thing and just keep chipping away, you know, and. Is there anything you want to promote? You have uh, some. There is, uh, well, there is, there is actually, um, if you reminded me of this, um, I'm going back to my old stomping grounds, um, in Illinois, I believe it's September 15th, 16th, Battle of the Bulls hosted by Derek Krause. Um, this, this is the kennel where I got started, right? So when I was like 15, the bulldog kennel, um, Every time I go back there, super nostalgic, like, you know, it's always very fun for me. But uh, September 15th, 16th, Battle of Bulls, White Pine Acres, Bourbon A, Illinois. Um, there's going to be a fun show there. Uh, good beer, good dogs, a lot of fun. Come on out, you know. So... um 
I'll be doing that. And I've got some PSA trials coming up. I'm gonna, uh, hey, Ted, you going to, are you decoying the uh, Arkansas trial? No, I just did the one with Katrina. Uh, the indoor one, I am not doing. Uh, oh, you're not? Okay. No, the inside one. Although that would have been nice because it was hot as shit when I did the one a couple of weeks ago. Where, uh, that that one was a cool trial. I mean, Katrina did a great job, and um, you know, Stacy got his three. Derek Derek forgot to check his muzzle, so um, he didn't. He got out? No, I mean, he... he uh-huh. <laughs> He was like, oh. it was a, a muzzle attack, and Derek forgot to check his muzzle, and I watched him do it, and he's mad. He says I pulled it off, and I was like, eh, whatever. So, <laughs> oh, God, uh, Derek, Derek, I hope you hear this. <laughs> good times. Good yeah, times. So, I, I, pan- I panicked. I was up in New York, and I, and I didn't know there, because this is how bad sometimes I'm about falling things. I didn't know there was two trials in Arkansas, so I'm up in New York. And I hear trial this week in Arkansas. I was like, oh, fuck. I'm supposed to be there. And I was like, wait, that's the wrong trial. Like, yeah. you know, so. Um, no, it was cool. Stacy and Tuco got their three, which is fucking yeah. badass. And Tuco Excellent. almost bit me in the yeah. face twice, which was not cool. But um, <laughs> <laughs> so shit happens in the back of the van. Uh, so where um, can we find you? We can find you online on Facebook. You don't really have a business page, right? No, no, I'm actually, I have a lot in the works right now. Um, I have a lot in the works. I'm creating some things. Um, Excellent. And again, like, I, have, I haven't been, I haven't, I haven't been rushing into these things. I've just been, been training dogs. And um, I, you know, I, a lot of times, you know, a lot of guys go to school for like six months a year and they're like run their own business in like two years. And I'm just, I've never... I don't know how I feel about all that. I mean, it's experience is a big deal. And so I'm finally getting to this point where I am going to start creating some stuff in the works. Right. And so nothing quite yet, but stay tuned because it's on its way. Excellent. Well, (laughs) this conversation has been awesome and it was, uh, went the way that I had hoped it was, it would go. So, um, you can well, hit, I hope you can, so. <laughs> excellent. You can find me, you know, uh, I am on Facebook, uh, Ted underscore Summers, and um, Instagram, also Working Dog Dry Goods, Torchlight Canine, and Working underscore Dog underscore Radio, and then Eric, you can find at Van S Canine on Instagram, and as well as Facebook, and Adrian, we really appreciate it. It's been awesome, and it's been, it's going to be an awesome episode for the ladies of Canine. Oh, well, thank you. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, it's been awesome. We appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon, and hopefully I'll see you at some trial at some point. That would be awesome for you, <laughs> and like, you, me, and Kirby to work together. That would be great. <laughs> yeah. Yes, it will be a good time. <laughs> right on. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Sounds good. All right. I want to talk about something near and dear to my heart. That's the Police Canine Association, or PK9A. They were formed in 1985 by handlers for handlers. They are a 501c3 nonprofit that helps support active and retired canine units through fundraising and the sale of some badass merchandise. Please take a minute to check out their newly designed website at www.pk9a.com. That's pk9a.com. I've been a member there for 13 years and the current training director there. I can tell you there are some big things in the works to expand the nonprofit to help canine units all over. If you're on Instagram, 
Check them out for some amazing content at Police Canine Association or Police Canine Association on Facebook. Working Dog Radio is edited and co-produced by Dustin Wright at Bracket Designs. Be sure to hit him up at BracketDesigns.com for any branding or content-related work you have. We were graciously granted permission to use this rad music by Brother Deeg. Go buy him a beer at Brother Deeg, spelled D-E-G-E dot blogspot dot com, spelled D-E-G-E, or hit him up on iTunes, Amazon, CD Baby, or any other music streaming stores. Check the show notes for links to both of these creative geniuses.